Hello again, wrestling fans, Team NXT, and remember, you guys were Team NXT well before this year's Survivor Series build. I am your host, CD, Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion right here on the UFP show that talks all about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future Podcast. And I apologize for the late recording and release. It is cold and flu season out here in the United States. So I am recording this bright and early on Tuesday morning, November 19th. And I did want to get at least a little bit of something out there to discuss the November 13th edition of NXT and the Raw and SmackDown happenings that have been going on with the NXT roster. But again, if my physical health isn't great, mental health isn't great. And if I don't have a voice, I can't be that voice that is your choice to discuss NXT and get all this positive feedback from you guys. Thank you so much for listening. First of many times, I'll be thanking you throughout this. I just wanted to get something out, cover my bases on this edition of NXT TV because boy, do we have a big weekend coming up and a War Games Survivor Series predictions show is imminent and I do want to make something big deal and spectacle out of this upcoming and newest episode. This is episode 101 of the Undisputed Future podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking out episode 100. I know it was enough content to keep you guys busy, and I really hope I could accompany you during some well times, maybe during a long drive, work to class, background noise as you're studying, or getting some work done. However, wherever and whenever you listened to that episode, I cannot thank you enough. It was a lot of fun being able to put out that much length of content for you guys and make that episode 100 quite the milestone for this show. Breaking through triple digits, we have a triple battle of brands going on entering Survivor Series season. For the first time ever, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT will be featured, and I want to plug that again. You guys were Team NXT as fans of this show before Survivor Series comes along. But I cannot wait for Team NXT to get trending on Twitter and I get to sit back and enjoy it like a proud father. Jumping into some main roster discussion, Shayna Baszler has been making her presence known and felt on SmackDown and Raw. Jumping Bayley, jumping Becky Lynch, even dragging down Sasha Banks amongst the fray. Shayna, an inclusion of the Queen's army of Jasmine Duke, and Marina Shafir are really building up this triple threat match. We've seen some bad side of Bailey able to break out through all of this. Becky Lynch, as usual, her rough and tough, ready to fight self. But this women's match, the build for it has been spectacular. And I cannot wait to see what the upcoming future holds for that match. That triple threat women's match, definitely not one to sleep on. Definitely match of the pay-per-view potential. A couple other things just to gloss over. Jordan Miles requested his release, or rather demanded and quit WWE. I'm not going to get too much into that. I do just want to say that he is one hell of a remarkable talent, and I hope he finds somewhere to work that will treat him with respect and that he can use his talents to where he is most comfortable and get treated with the utmost of respect. One other release request that I've read about that just breaks my heart, is Oni Lorcan. Oni Lorcan, the Star Destroyer, the man who has the best Twitter in the wrestling community, 
If you believe everything you read, also requ- also requested his release from WWE. He was making an impact on this growing NXT branded cruiserweight division. His number one contendership match with Leo Rush, absolutely spectacular. Able to throw down with the likes of Arya Davari and Tony Nese. He's, he's never put on a bad match. Only Larkin and Danny Burch, one of the most enjoyable storyline rivalries that became a tag team ever. In the history of this brand. So I've always been an Artie Larkin fan. Ever since his rivalry with Danny Burch. Forming into this bad, badass, bruising and bald tag team. With the British governor of Danny Burch. So I really hope Oni Larkin gets some work soon. Gets some TV time. Gets something made up to him to stick him around in WWE and NXT. Paying attention to NXT UK, I do see Danny Burch being promoted as an entry as a solo star. So Oni Larkin's future is up in the air as far as my perspective is concerned. But I hope there's some way in the WWE machine to make it up to him. One hell of a wrestler. One hell of an ass kicker. And I really can't... I, I just, I'm just in denial about it. I don't want to see Oni Larkin leave. But if he does leave, I really hope he's happy and able to put on the match caliber that he is expected from us and honestly expects from himself. One ass kicker to another. Oni, I really do wish you the best of luck and I hope something can work out for uh, for the Star Destroyer in this professional wrestling landscape. I do want to address the most recent happenings on Raw and SmackDown, but I'll save that for towards the end of the show. Jumping into the November 13th edition of NXT TV with a fast and furious start, we had Angel Garza competing for the Cruiserweight Championship against defending champion Leo Rush. This rivalry is built on not respect, but an impactful slap from Garza to Leo Rush. Leo Rush definitely getting a chance to see what the charismatic Latino superstar is all about, and mind games and malfunctions of wardrobe did seep into this matchup. Angel Garza with his signature ripping off of pants, which were weeks and weeks since the breakout tournament and removed from when this first started, and in my perspective, it hasn't gotten old. It really hasn't. Just the display of confidence and that radiates off of Angel Garza will never be overlooked and will never be allowed to forget about it. One questionable tactic about this week's, however, was the location of where this malfunction did take place, right near Leo Rush's family, right next to his wife. And you could see the disdain on her face and the reaction from her, and you could see the intensity that would build based on this moment from Leo Rush throughout the course of this matchup. Really enjoyed this one, though. Garza with a slight size advantage in this one. Cruiserweight Championship matchups, it's really hard to distinguish a size advantage from one competitor to the other. But Leo Rush still looking like an underdog in this matchup as far as size is concerned. But the speed and the quick and agility of Leo Rush and the dynamics behind his moveset, really something that you cannot overlook and something that Leo Rush will not let you overshadow. Rush, innovative moves on both sides of this matchup though. Garza breaking out some unbelievable stuff including a moonsault power slam. What a display of power in this cruiserweight division by Garza. 
absolutely spectacular move coming off of Garza. Something I did not expect. A move that you don't think could be innovative any uh, any further than what the finisher is for itself. The unprettier. The kill switch, as Christian would later on call it. But the unprettier. Getting a little bit of a spinny, spinny twist, literal twist to it by Leo Rush in this moons in this in this matchup here. I still can't I can't stop thinking about that moonsault power slam by Garza. What a great, great move by by Angel Garza. But Leo Rush never short of innovative moves in his own right. A spinny twist to the unprettier. I thought that was a spectacle of a move to behold as well. Really great back and forth action by these two gentlemen. Garza unable to clip the wings of Leo Rush in this one. The wing clipper is quite the finisher. I love the underhook driver aesthetic that it does provide. It really is a nice looking move. Leo Rush, however, breaking down and breaking out a frog splash in any sort of location in between those ropes. A frog splash in a tricky location. Not the not the final hour that we'd expect taking place with the aerial ability in the center of the ring, but very close to the ropes by Rush, able to execute this move. Tricky location, tricky place for a pinfall, and that would certainly be addressed by the ring presence of Angel Garza. Garza's near the ropes, referees unaware of Garza's foot near and on the rope for that matter of seconds. Counted the three, Leo Rush able to retain his Cruiserweight Championship through a controversial ending. I love that this rivalry is built to be continued, and I just love the landscape of the Cruiserweight Championship and the NXT, what is now deemed the NXT Cruiserweight Division. I'm hoping this does not impact how 205 Live is portrayed. Rather, I hope that the that the trend that I've seen this past week, maybe not this past week as far as when this episode came out, but the previous edition of 205 Live that I was able to witness, it did take place from Full Sail. And I like that touch to it. I feel like that's the ideal crowd that will really appreciate the in-ring action and the dynamics of the matchups that this 205 Live talent roster can deliver. We've seen it happen in the bigger arenas. We've seen empty seats in the bigger arenas during 205 Live. And honestly, these talents deserve more. Some of the best matches that not a lot of people have seen have taken place on 205 Live. You bring up the Mustafa Ali and Buddy Buddy Murphy rivalry. A lot of people don't even realize that these two have ever met in the ring before each of them being on SmackDown respectively. Before Buddy Murphy's Raw move, obviously, in the draft. But Ali and Murphy, one of those rivalries that immediately comes to mind of something that could only have been witnessed on 205 Live. And a lot of people have been have been deprived of those matchups because of their unwillingness to check out exclusively Cruiserweight action. If you bring that to a venue that is NXT fan-friendly, it can elevate the entire division because of that focus on the in-ring action. NXT will never be sold short in the way that it tells stories. But where it is highlighted is in the in-ring action. And that's where the Cruiserweight division shines. You don't need these personal stories in the Cruiserweight division, although it is nice to see 
from time to time, and the character work is there. A veteran like Brian Kendrick is able to bring those sort of things to the for- to the forefront and able to elevate superstars in kind of a more personal-based rivalry. But as far as matches go, we have talents like Raul Mendoza, who has put on great matches with Leo Rush these past couple of weeks and who I feel can be a sleeping giant in this division. I think that once... Mendoza gets his proper opportunity and his experience against Leo Rush, he could be a real dark horse for a candidate to be a Cruiserweight champion. People like Jack Gallagher, one of the 205 Live Cruiserweight Classic Originals, can get some time to show his very unique in-ring style. As well, in the NXT stadium at Full Sail University, in front of the Full Sail faithful, as well as kind of that cross-brand contribution with the NXT UK universe, of which he also has experience. So there's a lot of options now that the Cruiserweight division is under that NXT umbrella. We knew for a long time that the producers and the matches were being generated under that same umbrella as NXT are, but I feel like the venue might be an issue. When you go to SmackDown Live... And they say 205 Live is coming on next, but your main events of the evening will be some sort of attraction. Like most recently when I went to SmackDown at Madison Square Garden, I was fortunate enough to not only want to stick around for 205 Live, but I was able to witness the fiend Bray Wyatt destroy the B-team. Ironically, yes, Bray Wyatt beating up his brother and Curtis Axel was definitely something I needed to see. Great handicap match, great way to end the night and send the fans home happy. But this in-ring action that 205 Live brings can also make fans happy. We saw Kushida from that particular episode of 205 Live that emanated from Madison Square Garden. So there's a lot of options to bring in big-time, high-profile candidates for competition on the cruiserweight side of pro wrestling within WWE. And I think that now that it can be further incorporated under NXT, including having it filmed and produced at Full Sail, I think this can open up many doors for the division, not just have the occasional great Cruiserweight title matchup, but NXT TV week to week. We get some build in the competition. We get some number one, we get some more, I should say, number one contender scenarios for that Cruiserweight championship. We can find some reason to build animosity and personal rivalries between different cruiserweight championship contenders outside of the title picture. We've seen many great rivalries built outside of title pictures on NXT based on just great in-ring competition. Lee and Dijakovic immediately comes to mind in most recent history, and I'll discuss how that stuff is building further on. I know I'm comparing two super heavyweights to the build of cruiserweight championship wrestling, but you guys, I'm sure, see my point. Keep NXT exactly how it is. Build 205 Live under that same sort of model, and we will get more and more budding fans of 205 Live's action. Great match between Garza and Rush. Rush able to retain his cruiserweight championship despite it being under controversial means. Really looking forward to how this rivalry grows and grows. Moving on to some women's action in NXT, we have yet another, another bad scenario forming outside of Full Sail. I'm not sure where this first attack took place, but Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley were laid out outside of the Full Sail venue. We 
another we have another mystery on our hands here, Team NXT. Who's taking out the women's division now? It was who attacked Aleister Black right around this time last year, up up for the build of Takeover War Games two. Now we have this assassin in the women's division, and we would see later on as well, kind of jumping around a little bit. But Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir, and Candice LeRae all laid out as well. Just when you thought we could catch our breath a little bit, and we might be able to take a respite from these very vicious attacks happening in these Full Sail University parking lots. I really hope all the students are safe. Because these parking lots are obviously not safe if you are an NXT talent. Later on, at the end of the night, we would get our answer to these. But I love the build of another mystery forming under NXT television. All these what-ifs and who is it. And there were a number of candidates as far as who it could be. When we first saw Tegan and Ripley laid out, immediately jumping to mind. Oh, it's got to be Shayna. It's got to be the it's got to be the Queen's army, right? It's got to be somebody who can give Team Shayna Baszler a little bit of an edge going into this War Games matchup. But no, we would we would see Duke and Shafir laid out as well as Candice LeRae. So both teams are being affected by this vicious vicious attacker and I'll get to that at the ends where we had another great women's action matchup with Mia Yim Tough as nails, Miyim, NX toughness, Miyim, taking on Io Shirai in a ladder match that would give one woman's respective team the advantage in the War Games matchup. But let's talk other further hard hitting women's action. We had Zia Lee versus Aaliyah, the NXT veteran Aaliyah, an accolade I love to mention every single time she's on TV because that is that is a very uncommon feat with. Vanessa Bourne, the vision Vanessa Bourne, and I'm pretty sure how this matchup ended was not the vision Vanessa had in mind. Props to Aaliyah where it's due though, really coming into her own as a heel, starting to develop in areas where you really thought she was lacking as far as character build and anticipation of where all this bad and bouginess can go. I do like the antics that the hires, I believe they're going by, have been able to form since becoming an alliance. But Zia Lee, Zia Lee is precise and she's dangerous and she's got that martial arts background that I personally admire as another real black belt. Shout out to Tynera Conti as many times as I like to reference that. And as this matchup was short, it was definitely hard hitting, especially if you're Zia Lee. Zia Lee landing a debilitating Roundhouse kick to end this match and bust Aaliyah wide, wide open. Now, I thought at the end of this matchup, match-ending strikes could be a very intentional or not, a very big selling point for Zia Lee on Team Baszler. The submission magician never lacking in strikes of her own, Zia Lee able to bring that fire and fury and break somebody's nose wide open as she did here to Aaliyah. I thought it might have been a good selling point for Team Baszler, but we would see that team take place and all fold together by the end of this edition of NXT TV. But on this topic, I really wish Aaliyah a speedy recovery. I do not think it was a work shot. 
especially based on that post-match picture that we saw up on WWE NXT's social media accounts and Aaliyah's own Instagram. Vicious shot, lots of blood, busted up, and bad-looking nose. I hope Aaliyah recovers sooner rather than later. Lot of toughness displayed by the NXT women throughout the course of this edition of NXT television. Let's talk about Finn Balor. Finn Balor once again entering in the dark and just everything that has happened with Finn Balor's entrance. I'm loving this new unleashed side of Finn. Lots more edge, lots more personality when he gets behind the microphone and that's certainly displayed on this edition of NXT TV. Finn Balor wondering what happened to this place. This was some of the toughest competition he has ever come across. And now Johnny Gargano is unable to compete against him at TakeOver War Games, really knocking down the Rebel Heart of NXT, down quite a couple of pegs. But somebody you never talk down to and will never take it lying down is the OG bro of Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, just sick and tired of what Finn Balor has executed over this past number of weeks, taking it to Balor and jumping Balor in this, what other better, what, I don't, I can't imagine a better time, I can't imagine a worse time to be Finn Balor. Finn Balor is going to have all of this NXT animosity towards him, with few exception, and the exception in this case is the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era, Adam Cole saying wrong place, wrong time for Matt Riddle, absolute bedlam breaking down, heading into this War Games matchup, where of course Team Champa will take on Undisputed Era, Undisputed Era in a record-breaking third War Games matchup each and every time this takeover has taken place, the Undisputed Era has been involved, it's a real testament to to how successful they are as a stable, how great they are as a team, and their toughness, and toughness is the word of the day if you're listening to this show. Kind of like a Sesame Street letter of the day, toughness, and ex-toughness, I think I just named this edition of the show here. We have a great build for this War Games matchup. Now, of course, Matt Riddle and his personal differences with Finn Balor would take him off Tommaso Ciampa, and we would have a replacement. But before I get to that, Tommaso Ciampa, to counter Cole's wrong place, wrong time points, would bring up backup in the form of Keith Lee. And Limitless Lee getting some time on the microphone, and I'm loving how much Keith Lee has been able to come into his own as a superstar starting with this rivalry with Dijakovic, carrying over into that incredible triple threat match for the North American Championship against Roderick Strong and Dijakovic at once. Limitless Lee does not give a damn about what the Undisputed Era has to say and wants to go one-on-one with the NXT Champion here tonight. But Roderick Strong, another guy who's really coming into his own when it comes to speaking on his own behalf as a champion, You need the entire package. Roddy, somebody I kind of thought in the past was the weakest link on the mic as far as the Undisputed Era is concerned. Bobby Fish, we know of his antics, never being able to shut up at ringside. Kyle O'Reilly has a contagious personality, not just from the air guitar, 
but the man has a quotable moment each and every time that the Undisputed Era has their own segment. But Roderick Strong really filled with the vitriol and piss and vinegar behind the microphone these past couple times he's gotten a chance to. And Roddy able to stand up for his Undisputed Era leader, giving Adam Cole a break after a successful couple of weeks. And Roddy stepping up to the plate and makes a claim to state and fight against Keith Lee. And the Limitless One is not picky. And I really do wish that Keith Lee was able to narrate my life, or at the very least become an Alexa Amazon add-on, because if Samuel L. Jackson can have one, why not bring out another Velveteen voice such as Keith Lee? Shout out to the Dream, by the way. I really miss you. Please come back and get healthy soon. Anyway, Lee's not picky. We got ourselves a great matchup between Keith Lee and Roderick Strong. And I loved this big man, small man, David and Goliath sort of dynamic in this matchup. I thought Lee versus Strong was an incredible matchup. Lots of animosity between these two. Roddy Strong kicking Lee in the face at just the right opportune time at that aforementioned triple threat match for the North American Championship. And Roddy would pin Lee to hold on to his championship. So boom, the roots were already planted in the makings of this matchup. But Lee would be angry. Lee obviously remembered the same thing that I remembered because he was angry and he was manhandling the North American Championship for a large portion of this matchup. Roddy able to strike down just a bit on Keith Lee, but to little avail at the very least. And we would hear some shots in this matchup that would not just echo through the Full Sail University, but I believe that that double chop And if you watch this match, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That double chop to Roddy's chest might just about have echoed throughout the entire northeast of the United States. The entire east coast felt the reverberation of Keith Lee's hands hitting the chest of Roderick Strong. Now, Roderick Strong, despite getting his lungs almost caved in by that double chop, the cardio and craftiness would really be key factors in this matchup, as well as his namesake, because Roddy Strong would emphasize how strong he really is with a big-time superplex to Keith Lee. I love this match. I thought it was great, even despite the fact that we did get a little bit of a dusty and shaky ending here, because the Undisputed Hour would reappear, but so does Team Champa. The war, the war's happening. The battles are taking place on these editions of NXT television. The war will take place inside of a double cage, double ring. But the battles are beginning on TV. And definitely did not slow down because Roddy Strong met Keith Lee in one-on-one action. Finn Balor really taking exception to Matt Riddle. Balor would lay out Riddle again while all this bedlam and pandemonium would take place outside of the ring. Keith Lee would take exception to Matt Riddle, his friend being jumped by Finn Bauer momentarily, momentarily, almost cost him. Roddy able to take advantage of that moment with a huge slam and a couple big time strikes, but Keith Lee able to get the W after a Death Valley driver to power slam, sort of a jackhammer looking maneuver, and please... Please correct me if I'm wrong on this. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. 
I believe Keith Lee's finishing move is called the Glory Bomb. I, I believe that. It's names I remember. Don't have exactly everything written down. I try and watch just as much as I take notes. I try and watch more than I take notes because I'm just as much of a fan as I am somebody who wants to put out this discussion week to week. But I do believe that it is the glory bomb and Keith Lee would get a W over the North American champion. Undisputed Era would jump Keith Lee and Tommaso Ciampa at the end of this one. Matt Riddle, of course, laid out. So the numbers game. Always a factor when you're dealing with the Undisputed Era. But who would make up for the numbers game in this case, Team NXT? It would be an unlikely suspect. Dominic Dijakovic here and taking it to the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole would feast his eyes on a vicious knee by Dijakovic. This bad blood between Dijak and Lee has built respect. And I talked about Danny Burch and Oni Larkin Earlier in this earlier in this episode of the show. But I love that it gives me the same vibe between Lee and Dijak. One hell of a series of in-ring competition. Some of the best big man matches I can recall seeing in years between Lee and Dijakovic. And now this bad blood has built respect. Dijak standing up for Keith Lee and Tommaso Ciampa. Dijakovic wants to go to war. Tommaso Ciampa is accepting that offer. Ciampa, Lee, Dijakovic, Matt Riddle going one-on-one with Finn Balor. So this coming week on NXT television, it is to be perceived that we will get a fourth and final member of Team Ciampa. Where's that going to go? Who's it going to be? One of the anticipated questions Going in to NXT TakeOver War Games. I'm starting to feel it in my voice a little bit here, Team NXT. So I'm uh, I'm going to have to cut a couple of these discussion points a little bit short. Two breakout tournament stars meeting this edition of NXT television. We would have Isaiah Swerve Scott taking on the big Ozilla in Bronson Reed. And every single time I see an Isaiah Swerve Scott match, I find myself saying, I've never seen that before. Me, during every single Isaiah Swerve Scott match that I've seen so far. Swerve is a star. Reed is a big-time big deal. Another big man with a lot of big talents. Coming off a successful victory against his fellow Australian in Shane Thorne. Putting on a great match against Matt Riddle. In his own right, I really do think big things are coming for the big thick boy in Bronson Reed. Really good showcase for both men's talents. The sunset to squash evasion. Swerve would hit a house call kick for the W. And I really admired the sportsmanship between both these two breakout tournament superstars at the ends of this matchup. Swerve and Reed are definitely due for some big things under the NXT brand. Another rematch to look forward to and that I've definitely been anticipating. One of those rivalries that you never thought you would see. Or really get right delivered to you is Pete Dunne, the Bruiserweight, and Killian Dane. Killian Dane taking umbrage with both Pete Dunne and Damian Priest as of late. Damian Priest would jump Killian Dane before the end of before the beginning, rather, of this matchup. 
And I was thinking right around this time watching NXT TV, I thought there's no way that we could get a quality Dunn versus Dane match and the Yim versus Shirai War Games Advantage ladder match. So they definitely wrote this exactly in a direction that I thought it was going to go. Priest would jump Dane. Dunn would attack Priest. Dane would attack both. Everybody's hitting everybody. And Priest with a big time crucifix bomb on a security guard to the outside. You can't you can't stop three men of this power and you can't stop a man like Pete Dunn when he's able to break your fingers with such ease. I'm really hoping and I'm anticipating that we are getting a triple threat grudge match between Dane, Dunn, and Priest. Pete Dunn, the bruiserweight, able to hold his own against two bigger superstars and Dane and Priest just giving each giving us a bit of a hoss fight in the midst of a triple threat match. Definitely anticipated takeover matchup. Dane, Dunn, Priest going shot for shot. But Damian Priest with a big time tope springboard leap to the outside. Priest would stand tall as far as this interaction was concerned. So Damian Priest, Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, definitely an anticipated takeover matchup. Haven't seen many triple threat matches just as far as grudges go in a takeover landscape. War Games is being built to feature a lot of big time talents. And I really think that this triple threat match can be something special. We would hear from Mia Yim and a little bit from Dakota Kai. Mia Yim is ready for anything. And boy, after what she stated here, ready for anything, she was given a lot to deal with through the course of this ladder match. Dakota Kai says no hard feelings and has her back. And you see this at first and you hear this at first, you think Dakota Kai's got to have a little bit of a chip on her shoulder, right? Being overlooked and left out of the Rhea Ripley team building exercises that taken place on this road to take over war games. But Dakota Kai, as much history as she does have with Shayna Baszler, she does have quite a couple losses under her belt. And she was the one pinned in the women's takeover, women's, women's takeover, women's tag team championship matchup. Couple losses before that, not the road to success. I'm sure she anticipated as far as her road back from recovery is concerned. So Dakota Kai possibly having a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. You had to take those words before this matchup with just a little bit of a grain of salt. But it is main event time. We are just about on a similar time schedule as my other episodes have been recording. So thank you so much for listening this far. Mia Yim versus Io Shirai in a ladder match for the War Games Advantage. And I'm sure... There's some of you out there maybe just becoming acquainted with the War Games matchup. I'm a longtime WCW fan, learned about this matchup a couple years back, able to keep able to keep up with NXT, and I had one of my best recording sessions and most fun episodes for NXT TakeOver War Games 1. Go back in the archives and check that out if you'd like. But let's get into what exactly is the advantage of the War Games that they're fighting for. Two Superstars, and this goes across the board for men and women, so I'm not going to specify genders here. Two stars will start in the War Games matchup. The other three, the other three, the other four, the other the other members of the team, let's just say, the other three will be locked up in two cages on the outside, right up around the entrance ramp. 
So two start, three from each side respectively are locked in these cages. In intervals, one member at a time will be let out of these cages. So one team will have a handicap matchup. An advantage. Until all stars are freed from those cages. So it's one-on-one to two-on-one to two-on-two to three-on-two to three-on-three to four-on-three to four-on-four. And not until that four-on-four threshold has been met can the match be won. So the match cannot be won until it is an eight-person tag team matchup inside of a double cage. This leaves room for a lot of chaos, a lot of hardcore stuff, a lot of high spots taking place off the cage in the center because there is a hard steel divider between these two rings. We've seen a lot of impact happen inside the walls of these steel cages before. So really looking forward to how the women can innovate this matchup and really make this inner structure their own. So now that I've gone over the rules of the War Games matchup, let's talk about this ladder matchup. Shirai, always looking to fly. Starting off matches so very fast, so very furious. This match started with the Cruiserweight title matchup that was fast and furious. Io Shirai would continue this pattern in this main event up. In this main event matchup. And boy, does she know how to do it. I was anticipating a moonsault off of the ladder. Didn't exactly get it. Maybe waiting for a big time moonsault spot inside of that double steel cage. We've seen Ricochet pull off some antics in the past in the War Games matchup. I think Io Shirai could be up for a big time sky movement. That's something to always anticipate. We did not get our moonsault off the ladder tonight, but there is no fear that Io Shirai will be she won't be deprived from doing a high spot for much longer. That much I could pretty much promise you. And of course, as we know in a ladder match, the ladders can be an ally and an enemy as both women would find out. Io Shirai's hands would be busted and bumped and bruised in this ladder. And Shirai would send, would send crashing down numerous times. But nobody, nobody took more of a beating and a bruising and a beatdown and a bloody mess in this matchup more than Mia Yim. Mia Yim would attempt to use the ladder as a weapon in her own right, but would be met with a vicious shotgun dropkick by Io Shirai, and the ladder would be bashed directly into the nose and the face of Mia Yim. Mia would end up bleeding like a faucet from her forehead and her nose through the course of this matchup. I'm just, I'm getting queasy thinking about how bad and bloody and gruesome it looked. But there were very few tougher in women's wrestling today, and I say that across the industry board, that are as tough as Mia Yim. Mia Yim displaying the absolute toughness of the night, getting a ladder crashed and burned into her face, blood and guts being spilled in the women's division this evening between Aliyah's bloody nose from that roundhouse kick to Mia Yim being met with a ladder directly in the face. 
so much toughness on display by this women's division. This women's division is the peak of women's wrestling across any landscape. What a match. Yim able to continue. Kai looking to assist Mia Yim through the aggression of Io Shirai, but will be, but will be met with a moonsault for her trouble. Dakota Kai, keeping her word, kept her word that Mia Yim, that she would have the back of Mia Yim. And it's not something I anticipated to come true into fruition, but Dakota Kai, a woman of her word, would attempt to assist Yim through the best of her ability. However, Dakota Kai laying out Io Shirai with a powerbomb, Mia Yim, just when you think that this woman could not have gone through enough, and that maybe she might get just a little bit of a respite from the brutality that she has suffered this evening. NXT would be visited by the NXT UK Women's Champion. Kay Lee Ray would stop and drop Mia Yim. And not just off the ladder in the ring. Not just taking a hard bump in between the ropes. Not just taking a hard bump on the ropes in a springboard guillotine sort of motion that we've seen before. But a ladder set up from the ring to the barricade and Mia Yim, bloody face and all, would be sent crashing through a ladder on the outside. Mia Yim going through a lot in this edition of NXT TV. The toughness definitely on display by the HBIC. However, Io Shirai would take advantage by the interference of the NXT UK Women's Champion. Shirai would find success for her team. And Kaylee Ray seemingly affirming her spot on Team Baszler, assisting Shirai to a War Games advantage. So Kaylee Ray, Io Shirai, Shayna Baszler, and Bianca Belair. And Bianca Belair might be a little bit of a sketchy... There's something to think about there. Bianca Belair has not forgotten how much she wants to take down Shayna Baszler. But this is war, and sometimes that makes for unlikely alliances. And we have Rhea Ripley, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, and Tegan Knox. What a women's war games matchup this will be. A historical, not just moment for NXT, but a historical moment in all of women's wrestling. And another moment we will not forget. Who is the assassin taking out talents outside of Full Sail? Everyone, it's Bailey. Bailey would jump Shayna Baszler and stand tall at the end of this matchup. This aggressive side of Bailey, Bailey really taking offense to the words of Baszler and Becky, saying that they'll keep an eye on her, but the real animosity lies between the two submission practitioners of Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. Bailey will not allow herself to be forgotten in the eyes of Shayna or Becky. Shayna laid out at the hands of Bailey, and boy, that is not something I ever thought I would say, especially if we're talking in the scope of the old attitude of Bailey. You would think Bailey is too nice of a competitor to jump somebody with the caliber of Shayna Baszler. 
Bailey would stand tall at the end of this edition of NXT TV. Women's War Games building. Women's Triple Threat match at Survivor Series building. The women's division of NXT is the absolute pinnacle in all of wrestling. I'm going to talk a little bit of SmackDown from November 15th and a little bit of Raw from from November 18th last night, but uh, can't really do much past that. I do want to wrap this show up pretty soon. I am getting a little bit sore again. Next week on NXT TV, though, we will see another War Games ladder match, War Games advantage-based ladder match between Adam Cole, baby, the NXT champion, goes one-on-one with Dominic Dijakovic. Dijakovic, you got to figure, has the advantage when it comes to grabbing something off a ladder. The guy is like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he could probably reach that from one of the first two rungs, maybe the third rung if he needs to stand on his, if he needs to get a little bit more of a footing. But Adam Cole, Adam Cole always has troops by his side. And the Undisputed Era and the absolute chaos in the landscape of the war that has broken out across the board in NXT it really can be anybody's matchup. An Undisputed Era to continue their success inside of the war game structure. I'm sure would love to have the advantage given to them based from this latter match. Just a brief look at SmackDown from November 15th. Undisputed Era would take out the Revival and the New Day mid-tag team title match. The Revival believing that they would have that title match all wrapped up, but the Undisputed Era wanting to know that they run things across the board in tag team wrestling. Total elimination on the inside and the outside of the ring to the New Day and the Revival. Cole Strong, KOR, and Fish would make a swift escape through the crowd. Bailey versus Nikki Cross. Again, if Cross won, she would earn her spot on Team SmackDown for the women. But Shayna Baszler would appear. And Shayna would not just appear to take out Bailey. But Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, and Mia Yim would also arrive to, to, to go 4v, 4v4 with Dana Brooke, Sasha Banks, Carmella, and Nikki Cross. Talk about a unique team on that side as well. Uh, Kai would lose to the Purge by Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross would solidify her spot on Team SmackDown. And Dakota Kai would pick up another loss. Just kind of furthering the point that uh, Dakota Kai might be a weak link when it comes to all this chaos and team building exercise in the women's division of NXT. SmackDown would hold ground as far as these women's teams are concerned. Last night on Raw, well, last night I'm sure maybe even Monday night by the time you guys get a chance to listen to this, I am recording this offline. Something's going on with my Wi-Fi. I really wish that, uh, I really wish I could just record this and throw it right on the RSS feed, but whenever you guys listen to it, I really can't thank you enough for listening to it, and I hope I get you through some mundane activities and you cannot get enough wrestling conversation. There's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there, and I really can't thank you enough for listening to this one. Raw on November 18th, we would see the Iconics on television, something that I think is long overdue in my opinion, but the Iconics would lose again to... This time, a unique team of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, and I don't know about you guys, but I kind of can't stand Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch by hook or by crook on the same page, intentional or not, really don't like seeing Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch having this many interactions, especially with the rivalry that has already taken place between those two, especially going into WWE Evolution. 
I'm really I, I think Charlotte and Becky could be separated and it really not uh it really not hurt things on either women's division side. Anyway, Shayna and the Army would beat down the Iconics, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Jasmine Duke and Maureen Shafir would also get their hands on some talents on Monday Night Raw. Shayna standing tall going into this Survivor Series matchup. One highlight in the realm of NXT things as far as Monday Night Raw this week was concerned is the Triple H and Kevin Owens face-off. Triple H making reference to the accomplishments going as far back as to Kevin Owens' debut on NXT at NXT TakeOver Arrival. Kevin Owens going through everything, going through his best friend, laying out Sami Zayn to get his hands on the NXT Championship, bringing that NXT Championship to Monday Night Raw and laying out John Cena, holding the NXT Championship high as he stomped down the United States Championship. Now, before Kevin Owens could give Triple H a firm answer as to whether he would return to those roots. I really do think that there's some tension and dissension between Triple H and the NXT champion Adam Cole. Adam Cole, the Undisputed Era, the NXT roster that would invade and would cause chaos by the end of this segment. I do think that Adam Cole might have made an executive decision to lay out and take down Kevin Owens amidst this conversation. I'm not sure if that's something that we'll get reference to on Wednesday on NXT television. I really hope it is. But Triple H, Kevin Owens, and Adam Cole. There's a lot to think about, and there's a lot of conversation, I'm sure, yet to happen about what just happened on Monday Night Raw. And of course, on this edition of Raw, we had the traditional chaotic ending of Survivor Series. Raw's out there, SmackDown's out there, NXT is out there, everybody's hitting everybody, and we have just a good old-fashioned, absolute pandemonium and chaos on the go-home Raw before Survivor Series. Can't wait to see what NXT does on this Wednesday. Can't wait to see what just one day before War Games and two days before Survivor Series, NXT is able to bring to the table on Friday night, SmackDown. So lots of things to anticipate. We're going into War Games and Survivor Series weekends. I'll be here for all of it. War Games prediction show coming up this week, as well as a review of the November 20th edition of NXT television. I'm going to try and get that out. I might just do a SmackDown review and Survivor Series prediction show as well before. That way I can't change my answers as far as a War Games show is concerned. But I'll try and map something out. I really don't know what my scheduling is going to be this week. But I guarantee you, War Games prediction show happening before this Saturday, November 23rd. Thank you so much for listening. Before I say farewell, I do want to remind all of you that the Wrestling Podcast Awards, sponsored by the Wrestle Hub, hosted by the Rant Pod, please put your votes in. Most informative. Best solo podcast. Please vote for the Undisputed Future podcast. Please vote for the longest running independently produced NXT podcast out there. I was only runner up to Talk Is Jericho last year. And one thing, if I'm going to complain, and I don't like to complain, I think it's a great thing for the community. 
A lot of the podcasts that are nominated are already famous and already have some in-ring veterans behind their shows. So I do think that if there's one thing I want to take away and maybe bring up to build on is that there should be more driven by fans-based shows up for nomination and maybe let the guys who already have all the exposure continue to have their own exposure and let's use these podcast awards to grow audiences for several fan-driven podcasts. But please give me your votes. Best solo podcast, most informative, and of course, podcast of the year. Use the hashtag Wrestling Podcast Awards. Be sure to vote across all the categories on that Google Doc. There are so many talented shows on there. Best duo, best trio, comedic. There's so many categories with so many talented shows. Lots of great fan-driven discussion out there. And I really hope you are supporting your favorite fan-driven discussion-based podcasts. Be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at podcast underscore UF is my most popular form of communication. Always driven by positive interactions and creative and constructive discussion. Not trying to put down any other show. You won't see me jumping on to Twitter to complain about what's going on on AEW. Believe it or not, you can host an NXT podcast and watch the other show taking place on Wednesday. There are so many ways to consume content nowadays. There's no reason to have to pick sides and only watch one brand or the other or one show and one brand and one company and this and that. Just enjoy as much professional wrestling content as you want and that you can handle. So reach out to me on Twitter if you want to have any productive and positive conversation. Be sure to follow the Instagram at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. I'll try and have a picture up from week to week episodes when they're released. I'll try and throw up some pictures of Colin, the Velveteen Dog, who I think I just got his attention from him taking a nap over there. Um, Give me a like on Facebook. Not my most popular form of interaction, as you've heard me say numerous times if you've listened to the show before. But most importantly, thank you for listening, however you're listening, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, not sure if those two are the same thing, Google Podcasts, not sure if Google Podcasts and Google Play are the same thing anymore, SoundCloud, my most popular posted link, but wherever the feed reaches, I might be on Spotify, I gotta double check myself and make sure I'm on Spotify, if not, that's my most, that's my next upcoming project to get on, but however, wherever, Whenever you are listening to this show, I really can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining me for this NXT discussion. I'm CD, Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice, right here on the UFP show, talking about the NXT show. We are on the road to NXT TakeOver War Games, a landmark Survivor Series for NXT. Have a great week, wrestling fans, and I will talk to you next time.